Welcome to the Real Life English Podcast, where we help dedicated English learners just like you cultivate the courage, the confidence, and the skills that you need to understand real life native English, to communicate clearly with people from all around the world, and to make your life an epic global adventure. Now, are you ready to go beyond the classroom and start living your English? Can I get an aw yeah? In this week's podcast, Ethan, Ollie, and I are talking all about words from other languages in English. Many of these words are included in our daily conversations, but where do they originate from? And are there any from your country on our list? We also share some expressions that we use in our daily conversations. And of course, as always, if you head on over to our Instagram at reallife.english, you'll find some bonus words there where the origins might actually surprise you. So make sure you check that out as soon as you finish listening to this week's podcast. Yeah, boys and girls, citizens of the world, this is Ethan from Real Life English, where we believe that listening to podcasts is a fun, natural, convenient, and... The creme de la creme. Oh yeah, way to learn English. So download this podcast and listen to it while you're stuck in traffic, knitting a sweater, or even... Eating frog's legs in Paris. Yum. So... (laughs) I'm joined here in the Global Studio, as always, first off by the lovely Andrea. How's it going, Andrea? I'm very well. Thank you so much for asking. I think I need to change the way I respond to that as well, because someone made a comment that, oh, it's so nice you feel always great, but I do think <laughs> I always say that without thinking, so I'm doing very well. Maybe you're feeling like the creme de la creme. Yes, the creme de la creme. Thinking about our topic today, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but... Creme de la creme means like the cream of the crop, right? Would be an English version, maybe. The best of the best, right? The best of the best, yes. And we left our other guest, not guest, our other host hanging. And that, of course, is the thunder from Down Under, our one and only Aussie in the studio, Ollie. How's it going? Actually, Andrea, I'm not feeling good like you. I'm feeling a little bit under the weather. And I think maybe people know this saying from a previous podcast, right? Yes, hopefully people remember it from our podcast with weather idioms. Sorry to hear you're not feeling great. I hope you feel better soon. Me too. Thanks. <laughs> Maybe today's fun podcast will make you feel a little bit better, Ollie. We'll, we'll try our best to perk you up. What does that mean, Ethan? Something perks you up. It's kind of like we would say coffee perks you up because it gives you energy. So it's something that fills you with energy, right? Or maybe if you're not feeling good or you're feeling sad, it would make you feel happier. Exactly, yeah. So that said, we mentioned creme de la creme and today is all about loan words. So what exactly are loan words, Andrea? So loan words are basically words that are not from the English language. So if you loan something, it's a way of saying that you borrow it. So for example, you might loan me your jumper if I'm feeling cold and I would say that I'm borrowing it. Exactly. And English is a really interesting language because it's such a, a potpourri, I could already use one there, or a melange, there's another one, of other languages because it has all the influence that came from Germanic languages, from the, what would they be called, Gaelic languages, like the, the Scottish and Welsh and Irish, and French had a humongous influence. And in modern day English, we're getting all the time new words from a variety of different languages. So we'll look at some of these different ones today that make English the really special language that it is. And this is going to be a lot of fun for you to learn some of these words and start using them right away because we use them all the time. 
that said, what does it mean what I said before that English is a, people might have already inferred it, but it's a potpourri or it's a melange of different languages. So we would say potpourri and potpourri. potpourri. I'm probably saying it like a really ignorant American. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm butchering the French language too. I'm sure that's not how they say it. <laughs> so potpourri is actually that scented, like it's dried flowers or, you know, natural things. And you have them like in a bowl or something in your house and it smells really nice. So it's a mixture of something. And the same with, what's the other word you said? Melange. That's another another French one, which I'm probably also butchering. <laughs> so does that mean the same thing? Like a, a mix of something? Yeah. I think that's like literally the French word for, for mix. So French is like the big one. Like we take so many French words and it's like a way also that you can sound like a little bit more sophisticated, I think, is like if you use the French alternative to American word. So that said, we'll look at a lot of those. But before we do, we have a shout out for a very special listener out there. Today's shout out comes from Alexander Brunyara from Brazil. And obviously it's a five-star rating. And he says, hi, I'm Alexander Brunyara from Sao Paulo, Brazil. I'm an English teacher and I simply love you guys. I always learn something new with you, be it vocabulary or expressions. The way you guys teach rock. Congratulations. I always recommend you to my students. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Alexander, for sharing our podcast with your students and other materials, hopefully. It's really great to see like teachers actually learning with this and using it to improve their own English skills and their own teaching, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really fantastic that teachers from all around the world are, are learning. And actually, Alexander used a phrase or a term, the way you guys teach rock. What does it mean, like, if someone says something rocks? So if something rocks, it means that it's great. Like, it's a way of saying, you rock, like, you're great. Okay, so you're the creme de la creme, right? <laughs> yeah, you're the best. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for telling me that. <laughs> so we're already perking you up, Ollie. <laughs> yeah, I feel so much better. <laughs> <laughs> so that said, uh, if you want us to shout you out, just like we have for Alexander today, all you have to do is head over to Apple Podcasts like he did and leave us a five-star review. If you don't use Apple Podcasts, then you can head over to our blog, reallifeglobal.com, and look for this episode of the podcast and leave us a comment over there. And if you do, then we might shout you out. But the really great thing is that if you leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts, that you're helping other learners from around the world to have a lot of fun learning with us. So before we get into today's main topic, we're actually going to give you a bit of a sneak preview by looking at some words that you probably already know, but that you might not have known that they actually come from other languages. Hi, uh, yeah, global citizen. Would you like transcripts for these episodes of the podcast so that you can understand everything? And how would you like to practice what you learn here by speaking with other listeners? It sounds like a dream, right? Well, now it is a reality. We're super excited to announce that we have started testing and are getting ready to release the much-anticipated Real Life English podcast and speaking app, where you will be able to do all of this at the touch of a button for free. But before we launch our app to thousands and eventually millions of learners from around the world, we're inviting a small group of our friends and special fans to get a unique first look. I want to invite you to join us for private beta testing. You will exclusively be allowed to download and test the app and participate in scheduled speaking events. Most importantly, we'll use your feedback to guide us in building a world-class, real-life English listening and speaking experience. 
To apply for our private beta testing program, go to reallifeglobal.com slash app or click the link in the description of this podcast. So that said, Andrea, what's the first one? Yeah, so the first one is ketchup. So I was really surprised to learn that this actually comes from Chinese. And originally it was a concoction of pickled fish and spices. And it originated in 1692, so many years ago. And then fast forward 100 years to the Western world, tomatoes were added to this sauce to make ketchup. I think tomato sounds like a really nice alternative to pickled fish. I'm not sure how I would feel about having some pickled fish sauce on top of my hamburger or whatever what have you. Yeah, I just found it so interesting because ketchup does not sound to me like a Chinese word. Obviously, I'm sure it's pronounced a little bit differently, but it's spelled kind of kestiap or something. So I don't want to butcher the Chinese language as well today. (laughs) I'm sure we're going to be butchering like every language (laughs) in today's podcast. What does it mean to butcher something? If you butcher it, it means that you destroy it. So a butcher is actually a person who cuts up and sells meat. Well, they don't have a very nice job, do they? Maybe maybe <laughs> they like it, but they actually cut up all the pieces of meat and everything. So if you think of that, what the butcher actually has to do, then it makes sense that you kind of destroy it. So we use this um, expression quite a lot. To butcher a language. Do you want to try to not butcher the next word? So the next one is Wanderlust, or because it's German, maybe it would be Wanderlust, something like that. Oh, you have really good German pronunciation. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's from when I studied it. You know, maybe I remember something from my studies. It's been a long time. Something though. stuck. Yeah. It probably actually comes from Greek, and that's like the reason that it comes out so naturally, right? Oh, interesting. Perhaps. <laughs> we were talking about this with any of our listeners have seen a really great movie called My Big Fat Greek Wedding, and Andrea has her Greek Cypriot influence. So in that movie, they talk about how all words, you can find a root from the Greek language, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's how it is growing up in a Greek Cypriot family. You know, um, your grandparents, your your parents, they think that the origin of words is always Greek. I mean, there are very many words in our language that originate in Greek, but this one doesn't. This one is German. And I love this word and I love what it means as well. It's a passionate desire to travel or wander away, which is what it literally means. And it was borrowed by the English language in 1902. You actually see this quite a lot on Instagram, like the hashtag Wanderlust, like with, you know, influencers in the middle of nowhere, like taking a picture of them traveling, like the sense of freedom, the sense of adventure. That's how I associate this word. Yeah, German has so many of these great words that really don't exist in any other language. So I think that's a a perfect example of it that we use a lot in English. And what's the last one? So the last one is cartoon and it's Italian and it's described as a sketch or drawing showing the subjects in a humorous manner. So you probably had heard a lot of these words already, but we have in the rest of the podcast for the main topic, we're going to be talking about words that we're pretty sure you won't know already, but that you can start using right away. 
What do we have to start us off today? So the first word is khaki, and I have a feeling we'll all pronounce this one a little bit different, but I was quite surprised that this actually originates from Urdu and Persian. And basically khaki is that kind of greenish brown color. So we often describe clothes this way. Usually army colors as well are kind of that color khaki. I think I'm wearing like kind of a khaki shirt, I think. Kind of. So you guys kind of say it's similar, right? I would say khaki. I hear khaki, I think of arrogant. It's like another another word we'd use for arrogant, khaki. Yeah, I would say that as khaki. But is, is the pronunciation the same for the two for you? No. No. I think this word is like khaki, like your car key. <laughs> khaki. More similar to me than Ethan, right? How would you say the alternative to to arrogant? Khaki. <laughs> They're just like shorter. <laughs> Cocky and cocky. Cocky, cocky. <laughs> yeah, I would say it the same, cocky and cocky. Pretty sure everyone listening is like, those sound exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> and you say cocky and khaki. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. Oh, poor Ethan. <laughs> I have to get another American here. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to pronounce it. Cocky and khaki. <laughs> It's really good to practice saying it in different accents, though, because then you realize the different mouth movements. So I found it really useful, actually, saying it with an American accent. All right. So moving on, the next one we have comes from the Yiddish language, which if people don't know, that's a language that was spoken in Eastern Europe by mostly Jewish populations. And during World War II, a lot of them emigrated to the United States. So there was actually a huge influence of Yiddish words into American English. I think we probably use them a lot more than you guys do in the UK or in Australia. But you guys probably both use this word, right? Yeah, I use it. And this word is glitch. And I kind of like associate glitch with like being online, trying to buy something, maybe a ticket to a concert. And because there's so many people buying something, buying the same ticket at the same time, the system glitches and it doesn't work properly. So it's like a problem in the system. And usually with technology too, that's kind of interesting because this word certainly when it was created was much before the computer age. So it's kind of interesting that it got that connotation. Would you also say like something is glitching out? Maybe it's like really cold out or really hot out and your phone starts to malfunction. You could say my phone is glitching out. Mm, I wouldn't use that. No, nor would I. I, Oh, you know what I would say? My phone's playing up. Playing up, huh? Mm, Would use that instead? I would say acting up. Oh. Oh. I have to take Andrea's side this time. (laughs) We're getting so many different alternatives here. Let's move on to some French ones because we have bundles of them in English. So what's the first one? So the first one is ricochet. Ricochet. I love that word. Yeah, it does. I I quite enjoy saying it, actually. I don't really use this (laughs) word that often, but I quite enjoyed saying that, ricochet. So (laughs) it's actually spelled R-I-C-O-C-H-E-T. So you might think it's ricochet or ricochet, but it's one of those French words that has the E-T at the end. So it has more of an A sound, ricochet. There's a lot of these words actually where it's like, you pretty much just don't pronounce the end of the word because it comes from it comes from French, right? Exactly. And what does that mean? It means to rebound, right? Or like to come off a surface, like maybe you drop something and then it bounces back up and that's a ricochet. Yeah, it's a very specific meaning, which is probably why we don't use it very often. Like I've heard it a lot used, for example, watching a war movie, maybe a bullet will like ricochet and hit someone, which means that although it wasn't 
shot aiming directly at the person. It bounced off of something else or rebounded off of something else and then like hit that person because it's kind of like that specific application of the word. Maybe it's not one that you would use all the time, but like in those kind of circumstances, there's not really a lot of great alternatives to it. So do you want to give us another French one? Yeah, I actually studied French at university. So if my pronunciation is bad, if there are any French people <laughs> listening, je suis désolé, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, that so sounded great. <laughs> the next one is uh, a faux pas. And this is like used if you have like an embarrassing situation in public or if you make a mistake in public, right? Yeah, it basically just means like something that you're not supposed to do, right? I think of it as something that's like a little bit like taboo or something that's not necessarily like illegal, but like against societal norms. So for example, maybe like if you go over to someone's house, depending on who it is, maybe like wearing your shoes indoors could be a faux pas, which means it's like something that you don't do at that person's house. Yeah. Or like if you work in a, a bank or somewhere like that, most people wear suits. And if you turn up with, you know, your flip flops and like your beach outfit, is that a faux pas? That sounds like a normal Australian bank to me in, in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that makes sense because it's kind of like a blunder as well. Do you use that word, Ethan? I would use that word, yeah. It's like you've made a huge mistake. Mm -hmm, exactly. Like an embarrassing one. And I think actually it's a really good one for people who learn languages and travel and stuff because there's so many faux pas when you go to another culture because things that might be considered normal in your country are something that you really should not do in the other country. It's really frowned upon, right? Yeah, and especially like... I've experienced living with different people from different cultures back at university and now. And yeah, cultures are different and like maybe something that's acceptable in, you know, Australian culture might not be acceptable in, in different cultures. So it's important to like try and understand and be empathetic to other people's cultures. Wouldn't it be great if there was some way to understand real English without getting lost and without getting bored? Well, now there is. With our real-life Native Immersion course, we will take you on a 41-week real-life adventure of the English language, each week exploring a different topic connected to our goal to help you understand and use real Native English and make it a permanent part of your life in a way that is fun, natural, and convenient. The best part is you can try it for free with our three-part power learning series. We will send it to your email. Just go to reallifeglobal.com slash pod, that's P-O-D, to sign up. Now let's get back to today's podcast lesson. Another very enjoyable word from French, entrepreneur. Yeah, so I would say this entrepreneur. It's a little bit different, isn't it? Because we don't really yeah. pronounce our R's as much in British English. How would you say, Oli? I'd say entrepreneur. That one, it's, it's, rather, it's more subtle than normal American R's, I suppose. But definitely you hear it more than in British or Aussie. Just in case people don't know, because I guess it's a word that can be a bit different in every language. What does that mean? So an entrepreneur is someone that starts their own business. So I feel like this word is used a lot more nowadays because I feel like more people are kind of branching out and starting their own businesses right. than they have done before. So it's definitely a word that's um, used very much in the English language now. Couldn't agree more. An example of an entrepreneur would be Elon Musk. He's an example of an entrepreneur. Yeah, he's like a multi-entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, another well, we love talking about food. We have a lot of food things from French as well, don't we? So what's the, the next one? <laughs> it's a word that's so common. It took me a really long time until I actually saw this word written. And the first time I ever saw it written, it's like, what the heck is yeah. that? 
And then once you hear it, it's like, oh, okay. Because it looks like whores de Uber. <laughs> but no one says it like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you already said it. Hors d'oeuvre. It literally means outside of, like, work. Um, but it's like the appetizer before we eat our meal, right? Like, there's small food that you eat before your main course, which your main course might be steak and fries or something more sophisticated than mm-hmm. that. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's the food before the main meal. It's kind of like things that you would pick out, we might say, like little things to eat to open up your appetite before the main course. Well, I'm curious how you guys would say this because Ollie said it with French pronunciation, but I think most natives don't know how to do the nice French pronunciation. So we'd probably say like in the States, hors d'oeuvres, mm. but you guys would probably say that quite differently with the R's. Yeah, I would say hors d'oeuvre. Hors d'oeuvre too. I don't know why I tried to pronounce it the French way. <laughs> Silly. I'm sure all of our French listeners are really are really happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> or ashamed or embarrassed. But yeah, like from, from British or Australian, it's definitely, it's even harder to imagine that spelling. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't know how to spell it like off the top of my head. So you might have hors d'oeuvres at a rendezvous, which is another French word we use. What's a rendezvous? Mm-hmm. Andrea, you can do this one. A rendezvous is a meeting, right? Does it have some sort of like romantic connotation? Yeah, I feel like, I don't know if we just do that or if it's in the French language, it's the same. But for us, it will be like, oh, let's have a rendezvous. And oh, I said that so British. It's really like <laughs> rendezvous. <laughs> it's like, yeah, maybe a romantic date or maybe you're going to meet your friends or something. Not really like you wouldn't use it at work. It's not a professional word for a meeting. <laughs> yeah. So don't say. say let's have a rendezvous at 1 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> we actually used to have in my town... It went out of business, but we had a restaurant that was called, I think it was called Le Rendezvous or The Rendezvous or something like that. And it was, a, I think, a French-inspired like restaurant or bakery or something. But I think that's actually, when I was a kid, I think that's how I learned that word. So, But it's one that I think we'll use quite commonly in, in the situations that Andrea talked about. All right, let's move east of France back into Germany, I suppose. Would you guys use this next word? I wouldn't, you know, and I wouldn't even know how to pronounce it. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't think we use it that much in the UK, but I don't know if it's because I studied German or maybe sometimes we would say it, but the word is Gesundheit. And you use this as a way to say bless you, right? Like if someone sneezes. Exactly. Because bless you, it has like such a religious connotation to it because it comes from God bless you. And maybe a lot of people who don't consider themselves religious or something, they might prefer to use this one because Gesundheit just means health in German. Most people probably don't know that, but it's a non-religious alternative. In the States, at least, it can be quite common to hear people say, if you sneeze, to say Gesundheit instead of bless you. It's actually quite nice because in Greek as well, we say Iyitzes or something, which is like a cute way of saying Iyia means health. So it's similar in Greek. But here from my experience, if I've sneezed, people would say Jesus, like that to me. So that's like more <laughs> of the religious. <laughs> that's the equivalent of bless you. But the, another really common one here is salut, which is basically health. The next one's also German, a rucksack. You have to grab your rucksack. Do you guys use that one? I don't think we do in Australia, but I learned this word when I used to live and work in the UK all those years ago. Uh, and it's just like a, a, a big bag, right? Can you also talk about it as your school bag, like a small bag that you would take to go to school as well? 
Yeah, we would use this word as, I think, what you would call a backpack. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You always use it for backpack. Yeah, we don't use backpack in the UK. We say rucksack. Oh, that's so interesting. I mean, in the in the States, we also like use it, but I think of it maybe of like a backpack that you'd use for like outdoor activities. Like if you have an outing during the day or you're going camping, you might like have a rucksack. So I think of it more as like a type of backpack. But that's really interesting that that's like the exclusive word that you use in the UK. Yeah, pretty much. Maybe now with the influence, people are using backpack more, but growing up and working in schools and everything, we always said rucksack. Is that the same word we'd use in Australia, Ali? Would it be backpack as well? Yeah, we would only use backpack. I mean, I was like, when I first heard rucksack, I was like, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea what they're talking about. And for me, it's still kind of weird. Like, I'll go and put your rucksack on. (laughs) Do you have like any cutesy abbreviation of backpack? Do you say like your packy or something? (laughs) (laughs) No, normally we do shorten words, but we don't have. I'm surprised because it seems like you'd need something like that to like tell the kids to grab their backpacks before school. No, we actually don't, unfortunately. So sad. All right. We had a Yiddish word before. We have another one here. Do you want to go ahead and share that one, Andrea? Yeah. So this is quite an interesting one to say as well. It's schmooze. Schmooze. It's another fun one to say, I think. Yeah, definitely. And what does it mean? You might want to schmooze your boss at a rendezvous over hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like when you want to talk to them in a way that makes you be on good terms with them, you know, or be in their good books, we would say, like be popular with them. Yeah. We have like a more crass way of saying this might be that you're, someone's like kissing ass, which means that they're trying to talk someone up, like saying, oh, you look so good. That's such a, is that a new suit? Did you get a new haircut? Are you working out? Like those kind of like compliments that are very transparent and artificial and stuff to try to make the person like you more, which people might do to their boss to try to maybe get good favor with him or her and get a promotion or something like that. So you might schmooze them. Ethan, I really like your new haircut. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes, everyone, jokes. (laughs) You could even use it maybe when you describe, like if you go to a networking event or something, you might say, oh, I'm going to go and schmooze with some people. And, you know, it means you're going to go and talk to them about like maybe your project and things like that and try to make some contacts. I think about this when there's an election and politicians go to like these events, as Andrea said, and they try and schmooze the crowd (laughs) um, to like, you know, influence them in some way, right? Yeah politicians schmooze or you can schmooze up investors. It's a very great uses for it. All right. We have two more since you all did weather last week, weather expressions. These two I think are very fitting and they come from Eastern languages. So from Japanese and Chinese, and they both have to do with weather events. Yeah. And the first one is tsunami. uh, And this is from Japan. It's from the Japanese language. And a tsunami is unfortunately a really terrible weather event Um, but it's when you have like the big wave that comes in and I'm not a scientist (laughs) can someone help me there's like an (laughs) earthquake out at sea and that causes like a big wave to come in correct me if I'm wrong with (laughs) with my details would another would another word for this be a tidal wave tidal wave or is that something else does a tidal wave start from an earthquake though or is it maybe I'm not sure. slightly different? But that's another type of like huge wave, right? But yeah, tsunamis like weather probably isn't the right word because it's like a natural disaster, right? Mm, that's true. Is what we'd call it. Ah, uh, yeah. So a tidal wave is a shallow water wave caused by gravitational interactions between the sun, moon, and earth. A tidal wave was used in earlier times to describe what we now call a tsunami. So they are different, but they used to be the same. Interesting how that like has just taken over. Right. And uh, the other word we have that's similar, well, it's kind of similar. (laughs) 
I guess, similar in the way that it comes from the east and it has to do with water? That would be a typhoon. So a typhoon is like a tropical cyclone. Yeah. I was looking this up before because there's the word typhoon. In the U.S. we would call it a hurricane. And I believe in Australia, you would call it a cyclone. Yeah, <laughs> or we would call it a cyclone. So they're all the same thing, but depending on where it happens, it has a different name. So if it's in Asia, we would call it a typhoon. If it's in like the Atlantic, I don't think in Europe there are um, hurricanes, but like in Florida, you have them all the time. In the Caribbean, you have them all the time. We call that a hurricane. But in the Southern Hemisphere, you would call it a cyclone. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, so it's a, a bit of a strange set of words. Okay, that said, we have a few expressions before we wrap up today's podcast. So the first one is French again. Do you want to share that, Andrea? Yes. So the first one is c'est la vie. C'est la vie. I should have had Ollie say that with his French <laughs> accent. <laughs> oh, gosh. And what does that mean? Does this one mean that's life? I think it's literally like that is the life, right? Yeah. It's like what that the natural cause of life. If something happens, it's just like... Uh, what can you do? That's life. It happens. Exactly. Put your hands up, shrug, and be like, c'est la vie. Uh, c'est la vie. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. For our French fans out there. And the next one's a little bit similar. What is it? Closer to heart for us Spanish speakers. Que será, será. Que será, será. Whatever will be, will, will be. be. <laughs> Let's go. I'm listening. <laughs> so maybe people have heard that song, right? And what does this mean? With Without English accent, we would say que será, será. <laughs> <laughs> it means what will be, will be, right? Exactly. It's kind of like very similar to c'est la vie in the sense that like, ah, life happens. That's what's going to, it happens. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like you'd say c'est la vie when it's like, maybe in more negative situations, right? It's kind of like stuff happens. Que sera, sera is kind of like when you're, I guess you're talking about like the the uncertainty of the future, right? And, and you're kind of just saying, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. Future's not ours to see. Que sera, sera. <laughs> <laughs> Quick little fun fact. We actually use this song as like a football chant as well in the UK. So when your team gets to a semi-final or a cup final, you go to Wembley. So because it rhymes, whatever will be, will be, we're going to Wembley. Que sera, sera. Mm. There's like a little football song for that one. It's fantastic. <laughs> Wembley's the big stadium in London, right? Yeah. All right. And the next one, another French one. So this one is a la carte. <laughs> no, a la carte. <laughs> American would say a la carte. A la, a la carte. <laughs> Ollie, I think your French accent's really good. <laughs> well, actually, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I read in French sometimes, but no, it's not. It's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> we tell people that you're more than your accent. So no, my accent's great. <laughs> exactly. Oliver, if we have any French speaking listeners out there, they can... Maybe on the show notes of this episode, they can go comment what they thought of Ollie's French accent. Yeah. And what does a la carte mean? A la carte. It's a brand of ice cream, right? <laughs> well, I thought it was an expensive restaurant, but doing my research, uh, I found out that a la carte is like the, the practice or the way of ordering individual dishes from a menu in a restaurant as opposed to choosing a, a set menu. So I think it is to do with expensive restaurants because you often have like three course meals. Uh, you have your set meals, but you can choose to order just something different. Would you guys use this? I feel like we would, but like, again, in like your quite upper middle class type society. Maybe in England, because the English people are very classy, <laughs> but in the, in the US, it's like most restaurants are a la carte. 
So it's kind of like, um, I feel like it's like if you went to an expensive restaurant, you say, like, oh, that restaurant is a la carte, meaning that like, as opposed to other fancy restaurants where you'd have a set menu, it's actually, they just have a menu that you order the individual things that you want. But being that most restaurants work in that way, it's not maybe such a common thing. Yeah, we don't use this one as much in the UK, I think. Maybe for fancy restaurants like you explained with the set menu or a la carte. But I feel like I know this one more just from traveling around Europe because that tends to be quite a European thing as well, I think. Right. Something kind of similar that we have in the States, sometimes you'll see on the menu, a soup du jour, which would be the very American way of saying it. That sounds horrible. (laughs) Soup du jour. (laughs) Soup of the day. (laughs) (laughs) The soup of the day, yeah. So some, some restaurants will put, instead of saying today's soup or the soup of the day, they'll put the soup du jour. So finally, we have a Chinese one which is yin and yang. And you might say that two people are yin and yang or two things are yin and yang. And what does that mean? They're opposites, right? And if we say it of two people, a lot of times we might think like because of opposites attract, right? Yeah, they do say that, don't they? (laughs) So that's a great place, I think, to wrap up today's podcast. But if you want to learn a few more expressions like these that come from other languages that you can use all the time in your English, you can start using them right away with your English-speaking friends, then head over to reallife.english over on Instagram, and you'll find a bonus video teaching you some of those. So thanks so much for joining us today on the Real Life English Podcast, and we look forward to seeing you next week. One, two, three. Ah, yeah. yeah. Hey again, I hope you enjoyed today's lesson. Don't be a stranger. You can find all the notes like vocabulary, links, and more for this lesson on our blog at reallifeglobal.com. And connect with us and on Instagram at reallife.english for even more fun English recommendations. Do you want to continue your learning and get confident, fluent English? Then I have a couple great recommendations for you. First of all, check out our YouTube channel, Learn English with TV series, where you can have fun learning to understand fast-speaking natives with your favorite movies, series, and more without getting lost, without missing the jokes, and without subtitles. Second, if you like our podcast, then our real-life native immersion course is perfect for you. It is the next best thing to studying abroad in an English-speaking country. Try it for free with our three-part power learning series. Just go to reallifeglobal.com pod to sign up. Finally, if you are enjoying our podcast, then please assist us in helping more people go beyond the classroom and live their English. You can do this by sending a link to this podcast to a friend or by leaving us a five-star review wherever you are listening. We might even shout you out on the podcast. Stay healthy and safe, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Aw, yeah.